0: This show is brought to you by Earpeeler.com.
1: What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck
0: Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Wendorf from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks.
2: Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Dan Zig.
1: Hey, all here's Andreas Kisser from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attack.
0: Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soul Flight. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. This
1: is Bram Bjork. And you're listening to Mars Attacks.
0: So keep listening.
2: Welcome, one and all, to episode 139 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this time around, uh, just due to the fact that I couldn't get an episode out last week, it's it's Friday evening, actually 1:20 a.m. on my side of the world here, and between an interview that I did this, I did tonight, and just everything that's going on with all of these uh, DDoS attacks on the web, uh, my server's been up and down all day, so I, I really wanted to. Put an episode together because I you know I want, I want to keep up with more or less putting out I want to do you know one a week and uh, sometimes you know obviously that isn't possible but I, I want to put this together so at least I can release it hopefully tomorrow Saturday. We shall see about that but that's the that's the initial plan with all of this. So been a very interesting week. Celebrated my 43rd birth birthday. almost had birthday. I don't know why. Fucking around, I guess. Um, so yeah, celebrated my 43rd birthday. Uh, got to interview a bunch of really cool and interesting people. Got to talk to Bob Nalbandian once again. He's behind the Inside Metal series. If you don't know about that, we've talked to him a bunch of times on the show. He's been on the Classic Albums series as well. Uh, I spoke to him about both the latest release from the Inside Metal series, which is uh, the LA Scene Explodes, and that's split up into uh, two volumes. The previous one, uh, Pioneers of LA Hard Rock and Metal, which goes all the way back to the 70s. Uh, that's also a two-volume set. So uh, he, In the interview that I'll be releasing in a little bit, he goes into uh, the final two episodes of this series well what seems to be the final two because there's some other things that he discusses that I don't want to let out of the bag until you get to listen to that episode Uh, I got to talk to Graham from Loudwire and I'm a huge fan of of his uh, Wikipedia factor fiction so it was funny I got to talk to him for the whole classic albums thing as well he picked out a few albums that interest him and, and we chatted for a little bit about that. But before doing that, I, I got to talk to him for you know, a good long while about that series and about different things, you know, from the podcasting standpoint and uh, just what they do over at Loudwire and, and everything. And uh, it was totally cool. Um, was nervous <laughs> because, I mean, I, I really respect what he does. So, I mean, I don't want to come off as a jackass. And, and it was really a lot of fun to talk to him. So, uh, and I can't forget, actually, I, I got to speak to, last Sunday, I got to speak to Joey from Rock Strikes 10 also. And he had this, a real cool story about System of a Down, uh, which is going to be the last album actually discussed in this series. And, and if we decide to continue it or not, that may be the last one ever, or it may just be the last one next year. We'll see. I'm I'm trying to put everything together right now because they are the episodes that take the most amount of time to put together between just setting up the different interviews and um, talking to different artists and whatnot, getting the labels approval, getting the PR people's approval. So it it does take a lot of work, and then there's a lot of editing that takes place. So, I mean, and, and talking to other fellow podcasters is always easy because... You know, we can usually make things work, and it, it's always this is a topic that I've talked to someone about this these last few days about how you know as much as I enjoy interviewing people, you know I've I've always had people ask me, you know whose phone numbers do you have in in your contact list or whatever, and and you know I've turned my phone over to certain people, and I mean, I don't do it to brag or whatever, it's just there in the event that at some point in the future, if if I can't get in touch with somebody, then, you know, I have that as a basis to maybe try to set something up, I've never had to go to that extreme, but, you know, there are people that I know that have said, oh, you know, I would be calling up so-and-so all the time, and discuss what, <laughs> you know, because once you're done talking about, you know, the album, or or you know different musical things, unless you know something about that person or some interest. I mean, ju- just imagine somebody calling you up, finding your phone number, and saying, you know, let's let's use Joey from Rock Strikes Ten as an example. Imagine somebody calls him up and gets him on the phone and talks about Prince for you know three hours one night, and then calls back and you know wants to talk about something else, after a few times of doing that, it, it gets old. I mean, it's, it, I mean, I can talk for hours and hours and hours, but, you know, a lot of times when I, when I hook up with podcasters, there are common themes that we talk about, you know, different things that, you know, interests that we know we have, but it isn't a case where out of the blue, you know, I, 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 I search people out to just, you know, hey, you know, um, I just read on blabbermouth that, you know, you're doing this, is that true or whatever? No. You know, I respect that person. I I don't want to be pestered at all hours, so I don't do that to somebody else. So, you know, and and I have people that every now and then check in with me and just say hello or or whatnot, and that's cool. You know, we have like a a quick cordial conversation, but I mean, I it it isn't as if again, you know, we're we're we're, we're discussing. Uh, you know, nuclear fission or anything like that. So it merits, you know, thirty phone calls a month. So, but whatever. People are people are funny that way. Um And well I I'm got sidetracked there, but the last person I got to interview tonight, I got to interview Graham Bonnet. Uh who is a great, great singer who is in his sixties now and still sounds just as powerful as he did back in the 70s when he sung for Rainbow or or for MSG in the 80s. And he's been a part of a bunch of different projects. And it was very cool to talk to him. I was definitely a, a giddy schoolgirl before before so. You know, because you hear stories. And you don't know what's true, what isn't true. And yeah, it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And that will be out in a, f- in a few weeks. Um and I'm trying to knock these out, you know, I have, have, today I have Brent Bjork for you, I have Carly Coma from Candiria coming up, Uh, I also have um, an interview with uh, someone from The Sword, I also have Carl Alvarez and Bob Nalbandian from Inside Metal coming up. These are all coming up in a few weeks, and then and then we'll have the Grand Bonnet one. So this episode, we're not going to do an archive interview just because I didn't have time to edit any of the the archive stuff. I actually was able to knock a bunch of these out last weekend, so they're ready to go, and that's why I want to make sure that this, this goes out and there's really no excuse for it to go out. So unless there's more, you know, um, <laughs> DDoS attacks on... You know, my host server, then hopefully, this should there, there shouldn't be a problem with this. So, um, I, I want to remind you guys also to check us out on all social media stuff on Facebook, on Twitter, on Tumblr, on G. If you go to MarsAttacksRadio.com, you will find all of that great social media stuff uh, at the top and the bottom of the site. You can just click on one of those links and be taken to the social media site in question, please hit like, Uh, please tell your friends about us, my cheap uh, Vinnie Vincent imitation there. And actually, I guess that would be Mark Slaughter because he's the guy with all the voices, but I don't know. I don't know who actually did that at the end of All Systems Go. Anyway, so yeah. And if you are so inclined, go to iTunes, leave us a review. Uh, we haven't had one in quite some time. Also, we're up there on Google+. We are up there on Stitcher. Uh, if not, if you have some other type of, you know, um, program that you're using, you can also just, you know, piggyback off of our RSS feed and you'll be able to download the episodes that way as well. So I tried to facilitate as much as possible for you guys there. Um also, ask you guys if you're into, or not ask you guys, but let you know that my other podcast, Galaxy of Geeks, uh, we're going to have a, a jam-packed episode 25. It will be interesting to see what my uh, good friend Chris Vaglio decides to edit together for that. And we recorded that with Ian Gonzalez, one of the other uh, founders of Galaxy of Geeks. We are all over the place with that from Walking Dead to uh, Netflix uh, Marvel series to different movies and different things and uh, just a lot a lot of fun to catch up with those guys and talk about all that great stuff we'll We'll have episode 25 out shortly and 26 will actually be i'll I'll be releasing that hopefully around Halloween uh, where Carl Alvarez and I talk about. You know, what it was like to grow up in L.A. and, you know, Carl is in his 50s, I believe he he said. So we talk about that whole atmosphere out in L.A. with horror movies growing up, um, his fandom of the original Universal uh, monsters and and things of that nature. So it's actually uh, pretty cool if you're into all that stuff. So, um, and... You can find that on galaxyofgeeks.net, also with all the same stuff as Mars Attacks. You can find this on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, and you could also, uh, again, piggyback off of the RSS feed if not. I also want to bring to your attention my podcasting news site, which is what's been hammered the most with uh, this DDoS, is uh, Earpeeler, earpeeler earpeeler.com where you can go there to check out all of your favorite interviews or where your favorite artists are being interviewed uh, or you could keep up with your favorite shows. I'm trying to expand, you know, what podcasts we include all the time. If there's a podcast that we're missing that you think should be listed on there, just use the contact form and fill out I need to get that podcast up there and I'll take it from there. I actually have a whole list of new podcasts that I'm going to be adding, but I'm waiting for an update to the plugin that uh, basically corrals all the information for me every so many minutes and imports it. And then I basically finagle it to the point, you know, to to what you see on, on the web there. And there's plenty of things that I have to get rid of because they just don't fit, you know, the the guidelines of the site, basically, so... So that's it. So that's earpeeler.com. We have all the great social media sites that um, that also coincide with that. You can check those out right there. Are similar to all the other sites in the top or the bottom of earpeeler.com. So uh, we have a merch store for Ear Peeler as well. And I'm working on merch stores for everything else. Also working on a Patreon campaign for Ear Peeler to see if we can keep that going. I sort of mentioned that in the last episode and working on having some custom designs done so they aren't the, the same standard shirts that we're offering via the the Zazzle store that I'd set up. So keep on a lookout for that. And uh also want to thank everyone that reached out to me as a result of the rant that I had with the last episode. Um uh Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek and, and again Joey from Rock Strikes Ten. We we both talked at length about this during the week. There were others that did contact me as well. I mean, as as a podcaster that's been doing this for a few years and just hearing just the utter horseshit about how easy it is to make money off of it. You know, it's 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 a joke. It's you know, to anyone that wants to get into this, um you will more than likely Always, and I don't. I'm not saying it's impossible that you can't make money off of podcasting, but 99.9% of us put more money into it than we get out. That's just that's just the the plain facts. That's how it is. So, thanks to anyone that contacted me and wanted to uh, discuss that topic. So, if you ever want to drop me a line, you can do so. Input i n p u t at MarsAttacksRadio.com. Or you can also get a hold of me through these social media sites as well. So there's that. A little while ago, about a week, 10 days, two weeks, yeah, somewhere more in the neighborhood of 10 days, two weeks, Eric Kluber, who's been on the show quite a few times, contacted me that um, uh, his band Iron Knot was releasing... A new EP with a bunch of songs, and he sent a, a bunch of of different tracks. and And there's there's three tracks he sent me. I should say. This is the track that, after after further review, this is the one that that I guess he felt would work best if I was going to couple it with an interview that included Brent Bjork. So, this track is called My Little Girl, and it is by the band Iron Knot. some iron knot there that is my little girl and as I alluded to initially and I've sort of been talking about in previous episodes yes we are doing new episodes of the Classic Album series that will be released monthly in 2017 so look out for that we'll have them out shortly so two other guests that uh, that you'll get to hear are Chris Aiken and Wendell Neely from the classic metal show. So I got to talk to Neely this past Saturday, uh, roughly a week ago, and the week before that I got to talk to Chris, and it was a lot of fun talking with the two of them. So I um, had a blast, and it's it's cool to. Talk music with them, and and I mean I understand that after twenty years, which is such an amazing benchmark, where you're doing the, the same show, to do six hours of hard rock and metal talk is just very difficult. You know, it's it's just I wouldn't be able to do it. So I I realize that they have little, you know, interjections that include music, and they have interviews and different things, but. The most of their you know most of what they do is is really driven by as uh, Neely explained to me by their their chat room so their chat room and things that are in the news and and so on and so forth so uh just uh again cool to talk to those guys and there are a few other show hosts that uh that I will hopefully be hooking up with shortly, and as time goes on, I will be. Divulging. I mean I hate to be a name dropper, but I mean in this case I don't really see it as a name dropper because I'm not sitting here pontificating about any bands that I'm putting together or you know, the other day, um, you know, the other day, I just so happened to receive a a phone call from from Ace Decade when he was driving around in his limo and and he asked me if I would just so happen to play something off of the very first uh platter platypus sacrifice album, you know, and it's like, dude, good for you <laughs> you know Not, uh, awesome that you know again, you have all these people in your phone, but no one gives a fuck. you know if my phone could talk, it would probably call you an asshole <laughs> There you go. Anyway, the the focus of today's show is definitely Brant Bjork. Just released a great, great album. Came out earlier this month before jumping into something off of the album that he just released. And that is, it is a solo project, but it is technically, you know, Brant Bjork and the Low Desert Punk band, like with his previous release, the Black Black Power Flower, <laughs> sort of a tongue twister there. Uh, the new album, Tao of the Devil, was also released in this uh, with this band, the Low the Low Desert Punk Band. Jesus, can't talk tonight. It's quarter to two in the morning, <laughs> so not an excuse, but it is what it is. So before we jump into that, I want to play something off of the very first album that I purchased with his playing. Yes, I realized he was in Caius, and I had the track, actually I had the CD single for Green Machine, and I remember, you know, like a few years later, I I didn't own anything by Caius until a few years after that, just for economic reasons. And what ended up happening was the town where I grew up in, in New Jersey, they had a flea market, the Dover Flea Market. And there was a guy that would sell basically cutout CDs. And one of the cutouts was for this band that I had found out about a little before this because it was either Kirk Hammett or Jason Newstead. And I believe it was Lars from from Rancid. When I went to see both bands as part of Lollapalooza '96, they asked what bands they were currently into, and they mentioned Fu Manchu. Well, it just so happens that Fu Manchu that Brent Bjork produced them, and then ultimately became the drummer of the band he well he was in the band for for a little while there and this album is one of my favorite you know stoner rock or however you want to categorize it i just think it's just good music basically but this is the last album that he performed on with the band i've played the track Mongoose before this time around i want to get into the title track California Crossing which i think is Absolutely awesome as well. So let's let's check that out before jumping into. We're, we're just going to jump into the interview with with Brent right after right after this track, and then we'll play something off of the new album coming out of the interview. <laughs> start recording as a band as opposed to uh, recording just by yourself in the studio for your solo projects, per se. Um, What was the catalyst in you doing that? Was it that you were looking for more feedback from people? Did you just want to go in a different direction and not sort of um, carry all the weight? Or was there something completely different that motivated you to go in that direction?
1: Um, It was actually all of the above.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) starting,
1: starting out, um, as I've said in interviews, um, in the past and even just recently, um, I kind of stumbled upon a solo career. Um, I wanted to record a record. I had some songs that I was working on. That first record that I recorded was Holomanta back in 99. And really, um, I had some guys that I was going to put together to record the record, and we just, because of the time crunch i was I was you know busy with Fu Manchu, I just couldn't assemble a band fast enough, so I just went in and recorded the record by myself and uh when it came time to give the uh record a title, a friend of mine at the time was like, "Well, you just gotta call it Bjork because that's just all it is and I couldn't argue <laughs> with that logic- couldn't argue with that logic and thus begun a a solo career um and so just because of the way I started out, I continued to record records in that fashion where I just played everything. But after a while, I I, I started to say, well, hey, you know, this is fun. I get to kind of totally capitalize on the freedom and the power of being able to focus on myself and what I want to accomplish. But I'm missing missing the whole camaraderie and, and collaborative process with being with other musicians, basically being in a band, which is which is where I came from as a musician. I grew up playing in bands. Right. I mean, so um, I wanted to get back to that. And so, ironically enough, I kind of used my solo um, freedom to inject myself into a, a band, a band situation. I used my solo power to to take my that power away by putting myself <laughs> with a, another band. And I, and I like that. And one of my inspirations for understanding that option as a solo artist was um, I'm a big Neil Young fan. And I see what he, I I feel like he had a similar idea with back when he got Crazy Horse together, you know, and and picked them up and started having them be his backing band. I think he wanted to put himself back into a situation where he had a band, you know, he felt like he was part of a band, you know?
2: Gotcha. Okay. And I mean, obviously you've worked in a lot of different projects. Was it difficult for you to pick out exactly who you wanted to work with? Or was, did you already have in mind, you know, I want to work, I want to bring this person in. I want to bring this other person in to, to make this band come to life.
1: Well, it's, it's, um, I don't know if difficult's the word, but it is, it is a, an organic process that, that, takes time and and you know like had i waited for the perfect musicians uh that i envisioned and dreamed of to to put them together in a band if i if i had waited in in, to do that um you know i'd still be (laughs) it would have took a long time (laughs) so and i say that with the utmost respect i mean you 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 know my music career has always been you know all that i've ever done um is, is been the result of what i haven't in front of me and what makes right. sense at the time what makes sense at the time you know and um um if you take that into consideration i mean at least for myself i i feel like um i mean all the all the musicians i have played with uh were are fantastic musicians uh they were all unique they all had their own style I'm, I'm very proud of what i've accomplished with all the musicians that i've you know put together over the years and this particular band that i'm playing with right now is about as close as I've ever come to putting together my dream band. And, um, you know, and, and Dow of the Devil, my new record is definitely a celebration of of that, you know, years. It took years, you know, this is it. It took years of all that I've done and pursued to, to be able to put together a band like this, you know.
2: And, and I mean, you're mentioning that had you've waited for the, the perfect lineup per se, you may have not gotten the same result that you got, with your current band because maybe the chemistry wouldn't have been the same as what you currently have, um, on the new album.
1: A hundred percent, man. you know, it's, it's not a destination. It's, it's more of a journey, you know? And
2: and I know that like, right.
1: you know, some people, you know, might think that's kind of like hippie, dippy baloney, but I, I'm, I'm like, I've, I've got some, hi- I've got some hippie in me. <laughs> so, but I, I actually believe, I actually believe in that, that shit, you know? And so it's like, yeah, I mean, it it's, it's always been a, a journey for me, you know, and, and that's been part of the fun and, and part of the challenge. And that's how I, that's how I grow as a, as a, as a musician, you know, is uh, play with different people for different reasons. Yeah. You
2: know? Right. Okay. And how different is it composing for the low desert punk band, as opposed to previous projects that you've been involved in? Do you, take things on differently do you add things differently is there a different type of freedom with how you bounce object or excuse me ideas off of the other band members
1: um yeah absolutely i mean it it totally just goes back to what we were just discussing. i mean like this band has its own unique musical chemistry they have their own unique um personalities um behind their musicianship um the band itself has its own personality and so the songs the arrangements um how we track uh the direction the musical direction is all a result of of becoming aware of what this band is you know i mm-hmm. mean i'm not going to ask i'm not going to ask them to go against their nature that would that would be kind of just pointless you know, it'd be counterproductive. Right. Like I, I want to. I assembled some guys based upon their 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 natural uh, musicianship, and so I want to further explore that. And the music that I chose and the way I arranged it is is me wanting to get the most out of what they naturally do.
2: Gotcha. Okay. And were these tracks written specifically for the album, or did you have some of these tracks? lying around and you sort of resuscitated them for the album
1: um we wrote some tracks for the record um and then we did a couple different sessions to try out different gear and different engineers and recording processes um in through that process we were inspired to write a handful of other songs and discard some other ones so it's it's kind of this record's kind of a combination of a couple songs from our first couple sessions, a couple songs from our the last session. Then I think I pulled one particular song, and I think it was stacked. I pulled that from uh, a sock drawer, as if you will. I think I had that was a that was a demo that I did. I think probably about uh, four or five years ago. I pulled that out of out of the sock drawer.
2: Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, I mean, realistically, you could say that the writing of the album isn't something that just happened now. It it was over a course of a few months or even a few years, if you're, as you said, pulling songs out of the sock drawer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say I'd say almost about a year. I'd say this whole record is the result of us experimenting and writing over the course of about a year.
2: Okay, and obviously. You're known for, um, as many have put it, the the desert scene, the desert sessions, anything, almost anything that's associated to the desert is is focused upon a a certain group of guys that were out there and started a specific movement, a DIY grassroots movement, if you will. Um, why do you think that others haven't taken sort of the blueprint that you guys laid out there and tried to you know, use it in other areas of the US or, or even around the world.
1: Um, well, I I do know from my experience, and I've got quite a lot of experience from playing in Europe. I, I would respectfully say there are there are groups of people in Europe that have definitely and clearly taken note and direct influence from the desert movement of the uh late 80s early 90s and and have kind of expanded or built upon that in their own little regional areas in europe i have definitely seen this and, and even experienced it um uh, as far as the united states i don't really know um and uh, other other areas around the world it's 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 hard to say but i have definitely run into bands that are influenced by by the desert but as far as an infrastructure goes i don't know i think a lot of it though just in general i think the desert movement or scene um was kind of in a strange way it was almost that was it was it was happening it was which was arguably kind of like the last era of before before the internet and digital technology kind of consumed everything you know um, so right. there was there was this real authentic guerrilla approach. I mean, of course, because that was also just the nature of how we did things in the middle of nowhere. But right. also there was a spirit, there was a spirit behind it that fueled us to do what we did. And it was the same spirit that, and, and was literally uh, an extension of, of just like the early 80s Hardcore independent punk rock movement that we all kind of grew up with, you know, and and I think that is something that's gone, and it's really because because of technology, really, you know.
2: We're talking about the desert movement here with with this last question. There, there are so many people that go and look to L.A. or New York or Chicago or or Miami, even uh, depending on the type of music that they're into to work and sort of cultivate a certain sound but you've always more or less stayed within the desert how has the desert continued to fuel your creativity
1: um uh it's 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 hard to say because it's just part of who i am you know you don't we don't always have a a choice where we're, you know, I, I, am a father, I got kids. Right. And it's like, you know, I, I give my kids a a lot of rope to work with, but like, chances are, they're not going to have the power to tell me where they're going to (laughs) live. You know, I don't know, maybe, (laughs) maybe they will. I don't know. But, but, um, and it was no different for me and, and all the, all the kids I grew up with, you know, we were, we were raised in the middle of the desert and you just, you grow up not knowing anything different and your environment, your environment just naturally is an extension of who you are. It's just, it's just your environment. Um, And so whether I'm in the desert or whether I'm writing a record in, in Sweden, it's, it's just, it's, it's in me, you know, it's just, it's just in me and that people call it the desert and maybe it is the desert. I don't know, but I think I think what it is is it's just my soul and my upbringing in the desert and a lot of a lot of variables it just is just this kind of distilling process where like when the music comes out of me it just comes out this certain way, you know.
2: What would it like to see uh Dave Grohl's Sonic Highways documentary focus on uh for example the studio you guys have out there Rancho de la Luna? um within his series was that any sort of i don't know if vindication is the proper word or you know to to sort of give the that specific studio a place on the map with all these other big name studios was there anything going through your mind thinking that you know for once maybe the studio had arrived or or maybe the the scene had arrived and could be seen on the same level as all these other great places that he had gone to? Um,
1: well, I mean, only Dave Grohl obviously goes out saying only Dave Grohl knows what, what, um, what his motive or what the spirit was behind him celebrating Rancho de Luna. I mean, it, you know, it's, uh it's obviously a studio I, I worked quite a bit at and I, I have my own unique relationship, very personal relationship with that studio and, and what it was and what it, what it became and what it is now. Um, I think Dave Grohl though, in my opinion, I think, I think he is a guy who's has a very interesting music career. He's, he's, and he's very, he's very gifted in being a lot, being able to keep his feet on the ground, but then also reach into very high places. Um, And, um, you know, I think uh, in part of his, being able to keep his feet on the ground he also really enjoys it he enjoys uh he came from humble beginnings he came from punk rock and um you know Rancho De La Luna encompassed a lot of punk rock ideals and a lot of independence and also the desert environment and the unique unique musicians that that worked there and Dave um you know he he has a fondness for that kind of thing, and he likes to champion people that that um, and and in areas that maybe the mainstream isn't isn't aware of, and so um you know it's a, it's always it's always nice to see see someone do that, and especially someone like Dave who is always consistently um you know shed some light upon the community of desert musicians and and studios and stuff. So it's, it's nice. Yeah, of course.
2: And you mentioned a few questions back that you were a father. You recently worked on a project called Bunny Racket. Is there anything you can tell us about it?
1: Bunny Racket is a um, concept and now a full record that was put together by a friend of mine, an old friend of mine named Andy Walker, who's from Australia. And I met him down in Australia many years ago and our bands used to play together and stuff. And we became friends and he approached me a couple years ago and um, said, Hey man, um, you know, I'm uh, putting together this project. He had just recently at that point had recently uh, become a father himself. And he said, I'm putting together a project that is a rock. A rock and roll record but but like directed towards children would you be interested in in getting involved and helping me out i said absolutely and um so i um produced and he came over from australia and we we recorded the record out in the desert and um i played drums and he wrote all the material and it's it's really his vision and i but i was happy to uh, Uh, help him out and um he's he's on his way with it and i think he's going to do real well it's a great record it's a lot of fun i think he's i think he's achieved what he aimed to achieve yeah
2: very cool and a few years ago uh to be specific back in uh, 2012 i was lucky enough to see caius lives in madrid at the um sonosphere festival um are there any plans at all to move forward with the band? I know you guys changed the name to Vistachino. So actually the question should be, are there any plans to do anything in the future with Vistachino?
1: Um, As of right now, there is no plans. Um, we, we being myself and John Garcia and, and Bruno and Nick, uh, we, we obviously all pursued our individual projects and we're all very busy. And I think we're all, um agreeably content to be um pursuing our own our own projects right now. So I mean, no, I don't think there's any plans of of going back to um Vistachino anytime soon. But then again, I mean Vistachino and Caius Lives, I mean, just like everything that I've been a part of, that was a very organic um experience. As well, you know it it just kind of naturally manifested, so that's that's my way of saying, you never know. I didn't expect any of that to happen <laughs> either, so I don't know it might it might happen. I don't really know we'll have to i'm I'm as curious as anybody
2: else, you know, okay, cool, and I asked listeners of the podcast to send questions in, and everyone sent in all types of questions about. Uh, asking you about Caius or asking you about chair or asking you about different projects along the way. And the one question that I settled on because I thought it would be different from everything else was someone asked if there was any typical food that you find in the desert area where you're originally from.
1: Typical food. Well, (laughs) That's 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 a, that's a, a kind. I, it's it's hard, kind of a general question, but I think I I think I know where this person is going with that. Um, I I guess my answer with with not having full understanding of the the question, but my interpretation of it, my answer would be, if you went to the Coachella Valley Desert um, of where I'm from, mm-hmm. I I would recom I would recommend that you you eat the Mexican food of the Eastern part of the, of the desert Valley. I mean, we're, we're essentially a desert Valley that is very close to the Mexican border. You know, a lot of the population in the desert is, is Hispanic. And the Mexican food is, is what we would consider to be the, 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 the native cuisine that's, that's worth bragging about for sure.
2: Okay. Yeah, it was definitely a a food-related question because um, the the example that they made, I'm originally from New Jersey, so the question was, in New Jersey, we're known for Taylor ham. What is the food that the desert area is is known for? So it was a legit food question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Awesome. Got Um, it. Got it.
2: Where can people go to keep up with what you have going on?
1: Uh, com. We just uh, recently were able to get back our .com. So um, my manager is in the process right now with the powers that be, getting all information streams online, going directly through com. So we're we're still in the rebuilding process, um, but um, that is definitely a place that that one should. Uh, Pursue if you want to know what's going on for sure. This is Brand Bjork, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening. I got-
2: So there you have it, a little Brent Bjork coming off of Tau of the Devil. Brent Bjork and the Low Desert Punk Band, I should say. There's the first track off of the album, The Gree Heen. Check that album out. That is the reason why we only added the sound sample there. It isn't because, you know, I, I did play the uh, Iron Knot and I played the uh, Fu Manchu in, in its entirety not saying that you shouldn't pick those up, but uh, we'll have links to do so with all of these. We'll have our recommendations below in the show notes. Uh, please remember to support the bands that you love. If you click on any of those links, you're helping the show out as well, and we greatly appreciate anyone that does that. Even if you're not going to pick up one of those albums or you're not going to pick up music at all, just click on that, go through to Amazon, and, and purchase our stuff, you know. While, while you are... Clicking on other people's links and and they're making thousands upon thousands a month <laughs> off of off of this stuff out of their, you know, however hundreds of thousands of listeners that they have. Um, I'm just a small fraction of that. So anything that comes my way, yeah. Greatly appreciate it. So thank you. Um I wanna thank Brant Bjork for coming on the show. I want to thank John Freeman for making it happen. And I also want to thank you guys for checking the episode out. It is, again, greatly appreciated that you guys have sat through my banter, come this far in the episode. And again, subscribe, like us, do all that fun stuff. Uh, As you heard during the interview, I was lucky enough to see Caius Lives, which... Ended up being Vistachino. And what we're going to do to wrap the episode up is play a track off of the one and only release by Vistachino. Uh, as Brant said, well, nothing, nothing, nothing exactly in the works, but never say never. So the name of this track, and again, Another tongue twister here, for me anyway. Um, it is "Dargana, Dragona. This is off of the album Peace by Vistachino, and it is a perfect time for me to see, say peace. See ya. Hope you come back and check us out on the next episode of the Mars Attacks podcast. <laughs>